Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Manuka Sunday podcast. If you're new here, I'm Mel. I'm your host and the founder of Manuka Sunday Creative, a design and social media agency built to support health and wellness brands bring their vision to life. But today we are talking all things mindset, creating an inner dialogue that lets you live the dreams that you have always imagined for yourself. And we are doing this with a lovely interview with the beautiful Shania Bopa. I met Shania a couple of years ago, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, on Instagram through the wellness community. And she has done some amazing things already, but is just one of those per- persons or humans that has that aura about them where you know they're going to do great things. So here's a little background about Shania. And don't mind me bumbling because... <laughs> This is a heavy-duty bio, and I'm so impressed, and I just can't wait for you guys to listen to this interview. So, Shania is a wellness content creator focused on sharing health, research, and informed, thoughtful dialogue from her naturopath mother and physician sister. Shania is a global health PhD student and co-founder of the GTA-based nonprofit organization, The Canadian Courage Project. Shania is also expanding her impact on youth and children in healthcare. She recently published her book, Gurk and Bianca, The Adventure of the Gut-Brain Connection on a Path to Mindfulness, a children's book for those of all ages. Shania's goal is to improve the future of health literacy, and that is exactly what she's doing. In this episode, Shania and I speak about mindset, owning the practices in your daily life, rewriting the inner dialogue for a better future, the future of health literacy, creating discipline for yourself when you're lacking motivation, friendships, who to surround yourself with, tips on traveling alone and why it might be the best thing for you, and accountability and more. This episode is amazing and I had so much fun getting to know Shania a little better. I hope you enjoy. If you get anything out of this, a little tidbit or a life hack, share it with a friend. I would love it and it would mean the world. Or just send us a little message on Instagram. Send us a DM what we can improve, what you want to talk about, what you want to listen to. Yeah, we're open to all things. So I hope you enjoy the show. Definitely follow Shania. Her handle is in the show notes. I hope you have an amazing day. Enjoy this episode on rewriting your inner dialogue with Shania Bopa. Thank you so much for being here, by the way. I'm very excited to get to talk to you because I feel like I met you on Instagram, like, what was it, like two years ago now, a year ago now, and I've always, we've we've like connected once in person, but I felt like there were so many things that you had going like on the go that I just wanted to dive into the world of Shania and just kind of get like a deep dive of like who you are, what you're doing, what your future holds. So do you want to just kind of recap everything that you've been up to lately and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Melissa. And thank you so much for having me. My name is Shania. My parents named me after Shania Twain. If you're from Canada, you know her and you've heard her songs at the country bars in Toronto. I am Oh, we love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm currently a PhD student. I am director of a nonprofit that I co-founded in 2020 called the Canadian Courage Project. And I have a wellness blog, but I also just recently published my first children's book. It's called Gurk and Bianca, The Great Adventure of the Gut and the Brain on a Path to Mindfulness. And it's published by ANA Smith Publishing House in Toronto. And honestly, just happy to be here and, and chat about life 
That's amazing. I think like every single time I see you doing something else on Instagram, I'm like, how does she have the time? How does she do this all? Give me all your secrets. So I selfishly am very intrigued on like what the background of all this is, is going on. So thank you again. I kind of wanted to dive into like the very background or like the starting points of kind of your lifestyle wellness journey. And I know that you have a naturopath and doctor in the family. So I guess like growing up, I'll, I'll start way back. Growing up, when I was a kid, yeah. I literally didn't sleep. Like I literally didn't sleep. I would eat bagels only for like three months at a time. I was always like super, super short. I used to get bullied for being super short. And I just was like not the healthiest kid. I would, I would, I would be sick literally every other weekend. And so I was just kind of known as like the sick kid. I was short. I like was really small and my mom was always kind of confused because I have three other siblings and they were really normal <laughs> or like, you know, the standard of what we perceive as normal. And so growing up, I had a lot of attention on me, I think just for my health concerns. And my mom's a naturopath and my sister's a physician. And I grew up with, you know, while many of us would think that those are very like opposing views and well, at times my mom and my sister definitely butt heads. They are the reason I'm alive and here and well today. And the reason I started my blog while well, by Shania Bopa. But I, you know, you grow up thinking that that's just the way that you are. You grow up thinking that, oh, I'm just someone who doesn't sleep. Okay, that's just me. Or, oh, I'm just someone who's sick all the time. That's just me. And I had to learn that it's not just you at the age of 19. So after 19 years of literally having insomnia, IBS, everything like that, I had like a breaking point where it was after a breakup from a relationship and my body, like I just have underlying anxiety and I, it's very, very manageable now. But at the time I was at a point where like I couldn't eat anything without feeling sick. I couldn't um, like even move throughout my day normally without being anxious and overwhelmed. And like, it was really taking, my health was taking a toll on every facet of my life, whether it was my academics, my friendships, my honestly life satisfaction. And so that's when my, it's funny, uh, my sister literally like adopted me for four months, like not actually, but she forced me to move in with her the summer before second year. And I had to quit my job and she like therapied me for four months. So um, my mom's, my sister's a physician. And so she would force me to meditate. So like I would go to work with her and she would like lock me, not, okay, I'm being dramatic when I say this, but she'd like lock me in the car and force me to listen to Headspace every day. Um, I had to like cut out processed foods and focus on eating whole foods, stop drinking as much coffee and just really going back to the basics of life. So physical activity, eating well and mindfulness. And I, in addition to that, I was seeing a naturopath that wasn't my mom who did CBT. So cognitive behavioral therapy. And so in combination with my sister adopting me and, and forcing me through meditation and healthy active living, and CBT, it absolutely transformed my life and I've never been healthier or happier um, since that time period. And then that's, and then life's been great since. <laughs>
Oh, well, that's pretty, it's a wild journey. And I think like, I would love for you to go into detail about CBT because I have heard that some, um, I know some people very close to me that have been doing it and they said the exact same thing. That's life changing. And that, um, just putting the efforts in and the time in with that can, can make like the most massive impact on your day-to-day life. Um, so I would love to go into that, but at the, at the beginning of that whole little story, you were saying that 19 years of insomnia and like IBS and all of that, that is wild to think about, but do you feel like that kind of came out of anything, um, through your childhood or anything, or do you, did you kind of tap into where that came from? Yeah. So I think there's a couple things that I've realized from 19 years of being the way that I was is the first one is that we are born into a family that, you know, your family has habits and routines sort of embedded. And my mom is a naturopath. So we had very like, like we live very healthy, quote unquote, like normal, healthy lives. But for me, that just, some of the things didn't work for me. I was a kid that had like undiagnosed ADHD. And so growing up, being like disruptive in the classroom and being like the distractive kid was actually just me being unable to sit still and kind of like focus. And so that transcended into the way I had a relationship with food. Um, it, it, It was just something that I think for me compared to my siblings was just super different. And thinking about why I was the way I was for 19 years is... I think that we construct this ideology that we are a certain way and nothing can change. And so I lived a very happy life for 19 years. It wasn't that I was like, um, my life was very limited by any means, but it wasn't where it is now. And if I was a child that learned about mindfulness, learned about how our habits can actually construct our entirety of our lifetime and our lives and our day to days, I think I would be a very different person. But I had to go through what I did um, to be insightful, I guess, now. And so I think the biggest takeaway is that you are your thoughts and your thoughts literally become reality and learning the power that you have to take control of your health and take control of your well-being. It's in your hands and we don't need to overcomplicate it all the time. It can be something as simple as just eating a bit more colorful foods, taking away the processed foods. You know, you don't, as a student, you don't need to spend the money on the supplements or the the really expensive, like, green juices. You can just, like, really focus on the basics and find happiness. Mm, love that. It's all in the day-to-day routine. But obviously, it takes so much time to finally get there and really tap into that lifestyle. So you were talking about meditation and your sister being a huge impact on that lifestyle change for you. And then do we want to dive into kind of like the little, the, I knew, I know this is a huge topic, but kind of how, uh, CBT, um, helped your lifestyle. So CBT specifically for anyone who's not familiar, Um, It's cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a gradual process that can help a person take incremental steps towards a behavior change. And so, for example, someone with anxiety um, might simply just start imagining what anxiety-provoking situations that they may have, and then they might start practicing conversations to open up that dialogue with their friends and their family members about what is anxiety-provoking to them and how they can modify 
And so it's honestly the way I perceived my experience with CBT was a mindfulness practice to train my brain to acknowledge everything around me and how it plays into the negative, I guess, stimulations that my body did have. So for example, I need routine. Like that is one thing. I think my family as a whole, there are people who are a bit more open-minded and sort of like free spirited that they don't need the really strict routine. And one thing I learned after CBT was routine makes me feel at ease. And so CBT is almost like a reflection practice and learning how to, you know, if, if we think about it, stress is actually a negative reaction to a stressor. So if we understand to create more space between that stressor and our reaction, which is stress, it'll allow us to positively influence our daily habits. Oh, I think like, I resonate with the habits thing so much if it gives you a little bit more comfort throughout your day. And I think that brings us to like a full another topic of being like when you said some of your family is a lot more go with the flow and then you need discipline. I think that I think that relates with, with my life. I just I find when I get I try to be that go with the flow person and then I realize I'm like, these daily tasks that I do to just kind of check off almost make me feel more calm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes off to other people being like a little controlling or anything like that. But it's, it's just funny how, how different brains work like that. And sometimes you need it. Sometimes you can just take a Sunday to do absolutely nothing. And that's what you need. But it is so interesting how like the different minds need different structure. Um, that kind of brought me to the thought of discipline versus motivation. You are somebody that I see online just kind of like that seems so disciplined. And I kind of wanted to tap into like some examples of how you stay disciplined when you're not as motivated to keep going. Because obviously it's very different. You're not waking up every single day wanting to <laughs> wanting to do X, Y, and Z and stay up for eight hours and do all the work that you're doing. So if you want to give any like examples of how you stay disciplined. Yeah, I think for the first foundational thought that I think we all need to remember is that to move throughout your life and achieve your goals, you need to have discipline because motivation will only get you so far. There's a very clear difference. And I, for me, I grew up competing, whether it was in gymnastics or dance or sports. And so that competitiveness I have with myself and the way that I perceive life in all facets. So like I do have the wellness side of me, but then I also have like the academic PhD side of me where I'm trying to foster that career and then um, as well as the nonprofit career. So I think having three different ways of discipline is the way I move and it's Discipline for all three facets of me is a bit different. Um, one thing that I do is I ground myself in my why. And this is so cheesy. We hear it all the time. I did a workshop in a in an elementary school the other day talking about how uh, finding your why is, is so unique. And everyone always tells us to go find your why, do what you love, but no one ever tells us how. Um, so we can talk another time about how to find your why. But ground yourself in your why. One of the things for me personally is I don't want to be average and that may sound insane and my mom says it all the time like don't really say that out loud <laughs> and and but it's something that like not 
not average in the sense, but I really like doing things that are outside of the box or like really different because I want to pave the way in a way for individuals who are trying to find their place in this world that don't see a mold for them. And so to stay disciplined, that's one of my whys that honestly gets me out of bed. Um, and then in terms of actually checking tasks off a box, um, habit tracking is one of the best things I integrated into my life. Staying disciplined starts for me with waking up every day at the exact same time and going to bed at the exact same time. Having my morning routine formula, which is reading a book, uh, a chapter of a book, listening to a podcast while I have breakfast and meditating for five minutes. Um, that is something if I like, let's say if I miss a day, I then start over my habit tracker in my head. So if I've gone 14 days and you know, it takes 21 days to build a habit. I heard some research that says it's kind of false, but for me, if I don't do a habit for 21 days, I restart. And that's kind of how I keep myself accountable um, and in terms of discipline. But then also I have friends for different purposes and I have like facets of friends. And Melissa, if we turn our videos on, I can show you the <laughs> chart that I made. But having friends help oh, yeah. you with discipline and staying motivated is 10 out of 10. A recommendation. That's such a good point because I find that I've been reading a lot into the kind of like the psychology of like who you surround yourself with and it's so fascinating. My it's so funny. I find that like you look back at little things that happened like when you were younger and you look at it now and when you're older you're like ah that I should have listened to that a little bit more. I was in like grade five and my teacher told my mom who told me so my teacher she said She's like, Melissa's a great girl. She, all this stuff, da, 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 da. But she said, she's like, just watch out because the every paintbrush is painted in the same, or every color is painted with the same paintbrushes around it or something like that. Ah. I'm totally butchering that. But basically, basically the friends that you surround yourself or who you kind of get like grouped in with and kind of creates the, the person that you are as well. And... I mean, looking back at that, that's kind of like elementary school days. It doesn't really matter. But looking at it now as somebody that doesn't want to be average, and we can get into that too, because I love that topic. Um, somebody that doesn't want to be average, I don't want to necessarily be stuck in a group that is possibly bringing me back or, and that may sound bad to say as well, but it does. I totally resonate with the fact that it's like you have different friends for different situations. Like I definitely have entrepreneurial friends and then I have the people that I need for support. And then we have like the people that really push the boundaries. Like I see you online and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like I got a little bit of mo motivation or inspiration to keep going today. So I totally resonate with that. And I think that like, even just going back on the, I don't want to be average um, topic. I think that it's so, for some reason, it's such a touchy subject because there's all this, it's okay to be okay. And it's okay to kind of just, I don't really know how to explain that, but like the, yeah. for some reason, it's not, it's not the, not the best topic to be talking about how you want to succeed. And I think that I've definitely recently gotten a little bit more comfortable with talking about that and in the terms of money or in the terms of just like our success in general. But it's funny that you said that because I was literally just having that conversation with Joey about talking to me like, why is it so cliche or 
not talk or taboo. That's the word I'm looking for. Why is it so taboo to be talking about our success and like not wanting to be just living an average yeah. life? It's so interesting. I, I, you know what? Like I absolutely like I find it frustrating sometimes to feel like I want to be exceptional. Like the world, <laughs> this sounds so, I'm sorry if this sounds twisted, but sometimes the the comfort and like the, it's okay, you're okay, you're okay. To a certain point, discipline comes in. And it's like, okay, I know it's okay some days to not check everything off my to-do list, but sometimes I have to get my shit done. Like this totally. fine balance and this weird gray zone between like, being graceful with yourself, being kind to yourself, but then also staying disciplined and actually moving the needle. So where do we actually draw the line between moving the needle every day and being kind to ourselves or, and I hate this word and I'm sorry to use it, but like sometimes I catch myself being lazy and then I tell myself in my head yeah. that, oh, I'm just being kind to myself. I'm being graceful to myself. But no, Shania, you're just being lazy. Yeah, I honestly couldn't agree more. And I think that it's a it's an interesting topic, especially in the wellness community, because that whole self-care movement, I, I love it. And I think it's really important. But at the same time, when when does the balance come in when you're pushing yourself or when you're taking a rest because you really, really need it, or you're just kind of tapping into that. I think I could just sleep in for another 10 minutes and then your whole routine gets rocked for the rest of your day. So I, I totally agree. And I think that there's a lot to say about that balance in, in that terms or talking about like the, the structure of everything, because when I think of balance, and I'm talking about, I'm saying balance so much because it's like, it's that buzzy word in the wellness community. And I'm sure you, you know, but I don't necessarily believe that there's always going to be that balance. I think that there's going to be balance within this, the subcategories of your life. But when I'm focusing on this podcast, for example, I'm not balancing it out with resting or I'm balancing out with other things. I'm like fully focused on this podcast so I can show up as my best self. And that's the same with when I have time with Joey, I'm going to try to be as 100% in that. And so when we talk about balance, it's so interesting because it's just like, I don't know where that teeter totter starts and stops. Like when you're talking about that discipline and I know we've talked about this a little bit on online, but just like that discipline and then it teeter totters to the burnout area of life. If that makes sense, I might be rambling with that. No, but. it's true. And in, in my, in Gurk and Bianca, in the book at the back, we have positive affirmations. And one of them is, it's a quote that I say all the time, wellness is balance and balance is, it balances wellness, but you have to remember that balance for you is unbalanced for someone else and is completely off the scale for another person so the the analogy i use is faux soup so each person is creating their own faux soup with their own ingredients for what they find is like the perfect mix of balance just because you have red peppers in yours and i hate red peppers doesn't mean your faux soup is any better than mine or any different but it works for you and I think one thing about the wellness world is like this whole self-care movement and being kind to yourself is is great because we haven't talked about that, especially with mental illness being stigmatized for the majority of humankind. But remembering that if you want to 
achieve your goals, some nights you will be working till 10 p.m. And that's the sacrifice that you make for creating a company or working for yourself outside of the hours that you have to work to make money um, after your 5 p.m. job. So I think balance is based on you deciding what type of career you want, what type of life you hope to live in the future, and almost like then taking steps back in terms of planning out what your perfect faux soup is. Oh, I love that analogy so much. I love that. Okay, so you mentioned the Girk and Bianca book, and I really want to kind of dive into that because I know we're, we could talk for hours, but um, let's kind of change the topic over to the book and kind of dive into like the background of how uh, you saw this project come to life, what you see for it in the future and all of that. Yeah, so I wrote Girk and Bianca. It's been a project. So for anyone who's listening, Girk and Bianca is a children's book focusing on introducing mindfulness through the gut and the brain. Um, so while gut, like the gut brain research and in terms of gut health, the research is really up and coming and there isn't too much concrete like RCT research on it. It's important to acknowledge, especially as children, how our bodies interconnected. And so I personally, this would have, this was a book and this was a concept that would have changed my life as a child. Um, I changed my life that, you know, 10 minutes ago when we were talking about the summer before my second year of university when I my sister adopted me. <laughs> the gut-brain connection, that is what literally changed my life, learning about that and learning about how my mental health really affected my gut health and my whole life. And so this book takes people and humans through the process of learning about, there's a, there's a main character, his name is Human, and he's actually illustrated after my nephew, Ian, um, but takes, he has a tummy ache. He comes over from school, has a tummy ache. And so Girk and Bianca go through a series of events and problem solving to help him with his tummy ache. They give him a colorful soup. They give him his favorite special juice. He, they take him to the, the park to hang out with his friends. Nothing works until his mom, which is illustrated after my sister, comes home and teaches human about mindfulness and mindful eating and taking a nature walk and how important it is to do a body scan from our toes to our nose, how important it is to take five minutes to really understand how your emotions can actually cause physical health consequences and pain or, or um, you know, the Lucy, the, one of the analogies is the Lucy poops before a presentation. I'm like, you know, talking about that openly. We all have the nervous <laughs> poops before a presentation sometimes or like a really anxious event. Um, so breaking down the, the barriers in, in terms of that conversation too. And so the, the book is reviewed by my naturopath mom and physician sister because I really wanted it to be scientifically credible. The back of the book has a couple pages for parents to learn more about like what the gut-brain connection even is and what mindfulness even is. There's a journal prompt section for parents and children to go through talking about their day. And I guess the motivation behind the book is to improve health is to improve health literacy. And if you think about it logically, like learning how to, I guess, digest information that you see on the internet or how to read a scholarly research paper, uh, that is, is where we're going to actually improve our health and well-being. And sometimes I feel like it's kind of disregarded. Yeah, totally. And when, when I saw when you first um, talked about the book, I was just like thinking to myself, this is 
seems like such a no-brainer, but why hasn't anybody done it? So it's such a, an amazing topic to be talking about and to be bringing into like children's lives, one, but also the parents' lives, too, because I find that like it's a huge topic now, like the gut-brain connection, but it's so it's so wild how just like a couple of years ago 10 years ago when we're when we were in school there was nobody talking yeah. about it and if you if it was it was just a very small community of um wellnessy people that may have been looked up as very woo woo <laughs> or anything like i like i grew up in a family that always put health forward like some some of my friends thought it was so weird that we never had a microwave but I just thought it was super normal <laughs> so when like with thinking back on it it's like very normal for me but from for other people that haven't grown up in that household and to be able to teach their kids that is such an amazing outlet to do with mm-hmm. kids it's so I think cool too, like if we are raising children to be a bit more cognizant of how they can take control of their health and and learn about these complex health systems we don't give them enough credit sometimes that they can learn about the gut brain connection in a really really simple way and it can absolutely change the way they think about health moving forward in life especially if it's introduced in this like fun and animated concept because you know one of the reasons too it it became a children's book it was originally we started writing as a women's health book and I was sharing the perspectives of both a mom and um, physician sister and kind of me dealing with both perspectives but the reason it turned into a children's book is my nephew was born and there was I was trying to buy him a book there were no books on like health concepts other than like anatomy or like the, like just random like organ system books and skeletons rather than like actually introducing a health concept. And um, I guess like professionally too, the reason this book will turn into a series of books or turn into like a lifetime is I'm in my PhD. And so I've taught, how, like I've taught, I've guest lectured on health literacy and the research behind health communication specifically with children. And then this book is a tool slash a resource that I refer to throughout my lectures. And so I'm trying to combine like the wellness side of me and um, the academic and professional side of me and try to create more of a cohesive circle with my life. Oh, it's so cool. So for the, like talking about the future of it, do you kind of see this being like, you're going to do more? Yeah. So, okay. My dream is to be someone who writes children's books slash, you know, other books as well. And that informs my position I hold at a university working as a teaching professor slash research professor. So one of the, like, for example, my PhD research right now is analyzing how newly immigrated families with children have access to healthy active living interventions and what their perception is on Western, um, like, healthy active living regulations and recommendations. And so, for example, I'd love to write a children's book then out of all of that research, um, introducing what healthy active living looks like, but integrating how different cultures perceive healthy active living and how everything can work, like every type of activity can work together. And there is no right or wrong. And so I guess my goal is because I published this first book with a small publisher, if I can find a scholastic or like a like a big publisher as my next book, I'd love to create like a series and start my like book-ish career. 
Oh, you're going to do it. You're going to do it for sure. I want to, I want to kind of go into that. Cause a lot of people, I find that thinking about writing a book in general is like, oh my God, that's a huge, huge feat to kind of climb over. But let's talk about how, or what would you tell somebody that they think like that's too big of a goal to go after or going after a scholastic publishing is too big of a goal to go after. Like, I don't see you as somebody that thinks that way. I think it's, I think it comes to you naturally to be like, okay, what's the next step to get there? So I would love to hear like the background of that for you. So I guess the first thing is honestly, I'm so grateful for the parents that I had. Uh, If you follow me on social media, you'll know that my dad texts me every single day, an inspirational quote. And one of my favorite, Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> and it's—I said that I got—I got excited about that because my dad does oh. the same thing, and I take screenshots of them. And I have like a little folder it, of them. Also, don't you feel like that? Just like it grounds you. Oh yeah, literally. Like, and I and I take that. And I'm so, so grateful. And I know that I'm so blessed with that because some, some people Mm -hmm. don't have that. And it just kind of reminds me and makes me appreciate the fact that I have people in my corner that are going to be behind me for literally whatever I want to do in my life. And I do think that's, and I, I totally accredit that to the success that I've had so far and just kind of the little things that push you forward each day and just being like, no, there's definitely steps to get there. Like other people have done it before. I can yeah, do it too. And I think like, I hate how cheesy this sounds, but your mindset is everything. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, and it goes back to the health concept thing. You know, if I had labeled myself as someone with insomnia, for, I would probably have it for the rest of my life. If I labeled myself as someone who, you know, I was just anxious or I was just blank, I would have allowed that to limit me like continuously for the, the last couple of years, but, um, everyone's journey is different. And I don't want to speak to kind of like how you should think or how you should move. But for me personally, in terms of like the scholastic idea for me doesn't seem unattainable. And the reason for that is I don't think anything's unattainable. If you've seen someone do it, then technically it's possible. So the idea of someone telling you that your dream is impossible or you aren't going to get there or your inner voice telling you that, you're not capable. Well, someone else was capable. So why aren't you? And so anytime that my inner voice is doubting me, I tell my inner voice and I'm like, "Mm, no, because I've seen someone do it. I know it's possible and I'm going to figure it out. And I think the first step in learning that these possibilities are within reach is knowing within your limits, but also thinking about your network. One thing that I do for all three of my facets of myself, whether it's nonprofit related, book related, wellness, or PhD related, is I'm constantly having coffee chats with people who are in places that I want to be in or people that inspire me. And this, this goes back to your inner dialogue is actually a reflection of your outer dialogue. So if you find that your group of people around you and your parents or your friends or your significant other or your teachers are doubtful, not super positive, create your own positive outer dialogue. It will influence your inner dialogue and it will allow you to think and dream big because your perception is absolutely your reality. Oh, I feel like we just needed snaps after that. That was good. I love that. I love it. And I think that 
for anybody listening to thinking that goal that they have is a little, a little far out of reach or anything, just replay that little clip because that's all you got to do. You just kind of keep reminding yourself that it is possible. There have been people that have done it as well. It's just finding the steps that work with you to get there. I love it. So, okay. So let's go to the balancing the PhD life. Cause you, you've mentioned it a couple of times and it's wild to me to think that you have a nonprofit, a book, and you're in school for, and like doing your PhD. So can you tell us some like takeaways, productivity hacks or anything like that, that doesn't, that lets you keep going with everything going on in your life without getting distracted by maybe other, other paths that might be pulling you away from it. Yeah. I think for me, the PhD lends itself to why I'm writing a book, but also lends itself to the nonprofit. So the reason I honestly wasn't about to do a PhD at the time that I did, but I was offered like the department that I did my master's in offered me a spot and they pretty much honestly influenced me to tell me and told me like, you know, you'd be kind of stupid if you didn't take it. So I was like, okay, whatever, let's fall into the PhD. Um, But the way that the PhD works is everyone is on a very different timeline. So I don't feel super restricted and like other than classes that are mandatory and deadlines that are mandatory, I can kind of create my own schedule. So in all honesty, I worked every day this week till 9.30 PM. Like I wake up at six, I start around 7.38 and I work till 10. And that's just my reality. And I honestly don't consider it work. And I Like sometimes my mom will call me and be like, you just need to relax. Like you're not having fun if you're working. And I'm like, this isn't work to me. Like the quote unquote, like idea that we have towards what work is and how it's taking away from your life. I would rather die than be in like a job that I have to stop at five because I hate it. And then I have to stop it at five and then like quote unquote live my life after 5 PM. Like, no, I don't, I don't like that. Um, so The PhD is uh, supplementing both other facets of my life. So my research is community-based research and I'm working with other community partners, which then helps me and allows me to understand how I need to work with community partners for my nonprofit, especially when working with shelters. And then like the concrete literature helps inform my social media posts because I frequently share research articles and and research behind wellness-based practices. And then it informs my book that I will continuously like create. So almost like my worlds, I have three different worlds, but they all actually work together. It sounds like you've created a lifestyle that works together naturally, but it works for you in a way that you can, you can tie it all together without completely like, (laughs) I want to say lose (laughs) your mind, but (laughs) with all the things going on, it's very, I'm sure it's very easy to kind of get like off track or being like, okay, what do I have to do next? And doing all those like pinball, trying to check off each thing. Um, but creating that for yourself with like all the, all the streams of what you're doing in the same kind of world or blending it into the world is, I find it's a very cool way of just figuring out how you can yeah. do it all. If that yeah, makes sense. I, also, I feel like I didn't answer your question about takeaways for productivity and not getting distracted. I think it's so normal for people in their early 20s and I hate and I want to like throw up saying this, but I'm 24 next month. So I'm technically going to be in my mid 20s, Um, but I'm still in my early 20s as I say this on this recording. But um, it's so easy to think what if, what if, what if, 
But if you are happy with where you are, don't be influenced by the voices around you that are telling you that you need to move in a different direction or be in a different place. And so one of the, and then in terms of productivity for balancing life, like because I work from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., I have to meal prep on Sundays. So that is one thing that I've been doing for the last six years that I will never change. I have to meal prep Sundays. And I have like one to two takeout nights, like Fridays are my Friday takeouts where I support a local business. Um, and I time block. I Google, so I have a Google calendar and then I have a written checklist. I can't live without either. Like I need both. I can't just have, I, I've tried to get into Notion, can't do it. I need a checklist. I need to write my checklist the night before or the morning of. and physically cross things off the list and then have time blocked periods of what I'm doing uh, throughout my day. And then in terms of productivity for anyone who's in virtual school, 10 out of 10, find a friend and like virtually sit on Zoom with them and work. It will change your life. That's the only reason I was able to fast track my master's is because I found a girl who also needed to fast track her master's and we sat there for 12 hours a day on Zoom in silence, just writing all day. Wow. I mean, oh my gosh. I, I One, I completely resonate with the no notion type of thing and I need to cross things off. Two, I cannot believe that you're only 24 years old and doing all of this. And that's such a, that's such a good tip for like just having somebody, it's almost like your accountability partner, just watching you and making sure that you're sticking to it. So that's cool. I feel like when I was in university, I would try to do that, but we would go to the library and it would just be like a shit show. (laughs) So yeah, being kind of like more diligent in that and just having that one person that's being like, okay, no, we're on the same path. We're going to get this done. That's cool. I think too, like find what works for you. I think so much of social media is trying to influence people to do things a certain way, but trial and error it on yourself. And sometimes what the research says isn't what's going to work for you as well. So being graceful, I guess, in that way to yourself. Definitely. I 100% agree. Um, Okay. So going onto social media, I have been stalking you a little bit. Well, you went on a solo trip and I really want to hear all the details about it. Like what... What kind of caused you to go on a solo trip, one, and then how was it and what did you take away from it? Okay, so in all honesty, and I've actually never said this on social media about the solo trip, so you guys are hearing the inside scoop. I actually planned that trip with 20 (laughs) other people. So, Oh, no way. I planned this in September (laughs) with 20 other people and we were all supposed to go and 18 of them got COVID. No. <laughs> Literally, it was a, the week. Okay. Also, if you aren't from Ontario and you're listening to this, when I went on the trip was like definitely not recommended to travel because of the tra- the restrictions right now. So um, I, yeah, I was going with 20 of my friends, one of them being my boyfriend and he like everyone got COVID and had to cancel. And then me and him were like, okay, let's just do a rapid test to make sure. And then he ended up testing positive and I was negative. And I was like, okay, F it, I'm going. And then I just created this trip for myself. It was, okay, if you are listening to this, you're in your early 20s, you're in your 20s at all, you're a woman and you feel like you're in a stuck in your routine and you're kind of like trying to find happiness, but you can't, go on a solo trip because you are literally going to date yourself for a week and love yourself. Like I literally would get ready, like head to toe 
for dinner, wear a nice dress and go sit at a dinner by myself and like internally talk to myself for the hour. Oh, that's fun though. I, so I used to think that was so uncomfortable and and I started, there There was one weekend where Joey went away and I was like all alone in Hamilton. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take my computer and my notebook and like, and go take myself out for a nice lunch. It ended up being like a lunch turned into dinner. I was loving it. I was like also meeting new people and it was so fun. And I just didn't take it seriously. And it's, it's so funny because it's just like, you're just going for dinner or going for lunch, but there's so many little takeaways with, with it because I find that we're just so distracted with the people around us or like everything that you have to do. There's no time to actually be just with yourself. And I tried to, I don't, yeah, I'm sure you probably did this too, but putting the phone away and just like really being with your thoughts, it just, it's pretty wild. One of the things I really tried to do was not be on my phone because I, especially at the solo dinners when you would see the parents and the families around you, you didn't want to seem like a millennial. So I would literally just like stare at the menu a little extra longer, talk to the waiter, like look outside and indulge in the meal. And like the solo trip, like I am doing a solo trip every year until I have children. And I'm going away for a week. I think my next solo trip, I want it to be a bit more adventure This one was definitely really relaxing. Um, but I want to like, you know, go climb Kilimanjaro and love life by myself until I have children. That's very cool. I've always kind of thought about doing like a little three-day excursion with myself, like to start off the new year or something like that. So you've inspired me. I really Even like Even if that. you just like go to the spa by yourself, you know, or something small, start small and then this the take the step of like actually traveling alone but it's so honestly after that I was like I could live alone for the rest of my life I was like I don't need anyone like I went on a little like <laughs> like feminist kind of like tour with myself I was like yeah f everyone bye like I don't need a boyfriend I don't need anyone and I got over it after like a couple days but it's empowering though it's cool um, okay, so we're coming up to the 45 minute mark and I I mean we could we could chat all day about all these topics, but I kind of wanted to wrap everything up with a few little questions for you. Um, one being, is there anybody that you look up to for inspiration or maybe it's a thing or somebody that you kind of like turn to if you're ever kind of feeling down on? Uh, what you're doing or just looking for any motivation in life? So I guess philosophically and like really like spiritually wise, if I'm ever feeling a bit negative or I feel like my inner dialogue is a little bit self-disruptive, I listen to the Oprah Soul Cycle podcast or Jay Shetty's podcast. Those two literally bring me out of any mood that I'm ever in. And then in terms of my real Hmm. life, I... I'm sure you've, if you're listening to this, you might recognize Noam R. Wellness, I think is her handle. We're actually like best friends in real life. Um, So she is someone I call also my roommate and my best friend, Leah, as well as my boyfriend. They're all people that like ground me in terms of allowing me to feel confident in my daily activities. Does anybody that you look towards for motivation or like bringing you back up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you're someone who's, trying to find that person that inspires you we're we're out of luxury right now where you can make virtual friends that you've literally never met in person and you could be better friends than the people you're friends with in real life and 
that's not harsh to say, it's reality. So if you're still trying to find your group, honestly, DM people on LinkedIn or Instagram. Yeah, it's helped for me too. And even for me being in a new city lately, I've I've like the first thing I did was try to find some people that were kind of like in my world here and it's much easier than you think. And a lot a lot of people are looking for the same thing and looking for connections and it's just such a weird thing making friends as an adult and in general. So trying to take your guard down or like for me, for sure, trying to take my guard down and like be a little bit more open to new opportunities and just kind of connect with other people because you never know who you might meet on the street or online or anything like that. And for you, Melissa, do you feel like after you graduated undergrad, trying to find friends and then also losing friends has been such a weird process? Oh, totally. It's so so interesting because like my friend group, I have such a tight friend group from university and my undergrad that we lived together for four, some of us five years. And then we all kind of go on our different paths. Some of us stayed in Toronto for a bit. One went to Europe, one's doing an exchange in Europe right now, actually. And so everybody kind of does their own thing. And it's a very weird reality that like growing up, you may lose touch and you really find the people that want to stick around or like try, like make the effort to stick around. And I honestly haven't been the best with being that person that like really tries to connect, like, like tries to go out of my way to connect. And I'm like really trying to work on that and get better at it. But it is so funny. It's like you, when you have those feelings or you're like, I need that friend and you can turn to those few people that it's almost like maybe a year has gone by and you haven't seen them. And you, but you have that one person that it's like you get on the call on the FaceTime or something and nothing has changed. That is so valuable. And the reason why I'm working on it so hard is because I never, ever, ever want to let go of that. And to have that person that I can just like call up whenever and really have that connection still. I mean, like, of course, it's, I think it's great to like start making connections everywhere you go and throughout your life, but there's definitely certain people that have a really big part in my heart and <laughs> from like different different aspects of life. But saying like at the same time, like what we were saying with like different friend groups at different stages of your life, I think it's really important to kind of see like, are these people pushing me forward? Are they bringing me back? Or I mean, it may sound really harsh, but are they not a good influence on me? So I think that's a whole nother topic that we could go in forever. But yeah, just really kind of like doing a deep dive when you get a little bit older and like really understanding who your people are is really important, I think. And I think one thing I've learned at least recently is support. Like if your friends aren't supportive of what you're doing, It doesn't matter if they don't align with it or if they wouldn't personally do that job or do that activity. It's just having that general support and that respect is one of the most pivotal foundational things of a friendship. And so if you aren't finding that in some of your friends, like it's maybe time to readjust what category of their life, of your life that they're, they're in. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely been times where I've been like, have that feeling in the back of my head being like, do I want to tell them about this success that I've had or like this new job offer that I got or anything? And like, those are the types of thoughts where I'm thinking now and being like, okay, well, those were definitely red flags, but I wasn't seeing that in the moment. So maybe like, I mean, if anybody's listening and they're feeling that way, those might be some little things that that need to be brought up or 
thought about a little bit more <laughs> on your on your own time and just like figuring out who those people are for you. Exactly. Oh, I, I, that was a little tangent that we went on, but I really like that topic. I feel like that's such a, that's such an important thing. And I've been tapping into that so much more now being in like a new city and trying to meet those new people. Hey, so honestly, Melissa, definitely we'll be diving into I want to show you, I'm just going to turn my video on. And for anyone listening, I guess you can yeah. hear what I'm explaining, but I created this exercise and you grab a piece of paper, you put it li- landscape wise and on the right, on the left side, it's your five pillars. So what are five qualities of yourself or like qualities that you admire in other people that you look up to? So for example, one of my pillars is citizenship. So serving your community in whatever capacity you can it, and that being part of your job as well. Then on the far right side, you're going to make a column that is 10 people you spend the most time with on a list from one to 10. And you write down whether it's virtual, emotional, spiritual, or physical time with that person. You write them down. In the center category, you then write down of the 10 people that you wrote on the right, in the center, write 10 people in order of who actually embody your five pillars. So of the 10, if there's only like three people of the 10 people you're spending most of your time with that embody those five pillars, then, um, you got to figure out your stuff. (laughs) And then the second half of the center paragraph, uh, I guess, column is people to spend less time with. And this isn't a bad thing. I think you can, we can openly talk about, there are some friends we should spend less time with if they're not serving our professional, academic, social, or health goals. And then at the very, very bottom, write people who you want to spend more time with that weren't on your list. And so I had to brainstorm people I like admire and people are in similar streams that I'm like, hmm, you might be a positive person. This exercise will literally change the way that you create your circle of people who are going to support you. That's it. Oh, that's cool. I love that. If you have like a link to any like article or anything that you like saw this in for the first time, I would love to put that I would love to put that in the show notes for everybody to see because that's really cool exercise to work with yourself. I made it up because, yeah, I made it up because one night my boyfriend was just like, Shania, like, I feel like some of my friends just don't get me. And I was like, okay, let's do something. And I just created this exercise. And then now I just do it with all my friends sometimes. Oh, that's cool. Definitely taking notes. Maybe I'll make a PDF. Love it. For sure. That would be great. I'll share it with you. Okay, so let's kind of wrap everything up and I want to have everybody like be able to follow you and see where they can get the book or even follow Canadian Courage Project, everything. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find yes. everything? So if you don't follow me already, Instagram, my handle is at well by Shania Bopa and my TikTok is at well by Shania. And you can find information about like anything PhD related. Honestly, DM me anytime. Um, and you'll see the book launching on February 7th, 2022. And in terms of the Canadian Courage Project, the nonprofit, the handle for Instagram is at the Canadian Courage Project. And we support youth and their animals who are transitioning out of shelters into independent housing with wellness workshops and resources to support them in that journey. And we have a charitable clothing line that we fund most of our programming from. So yeah, let's be friends on the internet. 
Amazing. And we didn't even jump into the whole world of like your nonprofit. So we'll definitely have to chat again and talk more about that because I'm very intrigued and would love to hear more about it. But thank you so much. This was such a pleasure to talk to you and kind of pick your brain on everything. It was so nice chatting with you also as well. And you're such a bright light on the internet. (laughs) Thank you.